word in our Christmas series. Our Christmas series has been on the title of a very familiar, familial, familiar, If I spit, I was afraid of what would come out. I just had to slow down a second. Joy to the world. Very familiar. Familiar. Christmas carol. Joy to the world. And uh, we talked about joy the first week of the series. And uh, that was pretty easy. And then Pastor Trent did a fantastic job covering the word too. Last week I talked about the... I'm going to make a couple more statements concerning thee in just a moment. Today, though, I'm primarily speaking to you about this last word, world. Joy to the world. My key verses for this series have been Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Here we rediscover the story of this angels that appeared to the shepherds out in the field. And these verses tell us that this appearing of the angels terrified. The shepherds terrified them. I mean, if you can imagine with me, they are tending their sheep at night, have them pinned. They are going about their business, probably either sleeping or trying to sleep while others are keeping watch over the sheep. And in the moment... Suddenly appearing to them out of the darkness is this, is this shining angelic thing that takes place that terrified them to their core. And this is the world that Jesus was born into. A terrified place. Probably not unlike some things that we even experience in our own life. I mean, I think about the various kinds of terror that are in the world even right now. On a global scale, we can talk about terrorism and so much fear being evoked in in that realm. But then yet in our personal lives, areas of our lives that we are afraid of. How are we going to pay those bills? What are the kids going to do? How am I going to pass that class? What am I going to do about those relationships? This world has a tendency to bring situations into every one of our lives that leave us in a state of 
terrified. What do you do when the news is bad? This week, on Wednesday, my brother called me from Columbus, Texas, and they had just left the doctor's office with my dad, and we were informed on Wednesday that my dad has inoperable lung cancer. Not the kind of news that you want to hear Christmas week. Not the kind of thing that, that is the most pleasant thing to carry in this particular season. And yet this is the world that Jesus was born into. A terrified world. A confused world. A hurting world. And so when we read this about him being the Messiah, and then we hear about him being the Lord, we understand that this good news that caused great joy came for all the people. And last week we talked about this exclusionary nature of the Christmas story, that, that the Christmas story declares that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, not and Messiah, Messiah, but the Messiah, that he is the Lord, not just another Lord, but the Lord, that, that there is this exclusionary nature to the Christmas story as we begin to declare that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation, that Jesus Christ is the only door to the Father. And at that point, people might back up and they might say, now wait a minute. I don't like the sound of that, but here is the good news that comes to us from these verses. The good news is that although there is an exclusionary nature to the Christmas story, there is not a discriminatory nature to the Christmas story. There is no discrimination here. Every nation, every people group, every tongue, and every race is included in all the people. In all the people. That Jesus did not come just to the nation of Israel. That he did not just come to one particular people group. But that Jesus Christ was born into all of the world. Into all of the world. And that that would include some people that you and I might... Well, we might not jump up and down about. I mean, I'll be honest with you. There's, you know, if I, had a, if I had a choice to say, okay, well, I'm going to be discriminatory with my interpretation of the word world. And my discrimination is, is that Jesus Christ came to save the people that I like. That when, when the Bible says world... It's only talking about the people who agree with me. Hmm? Or when the Bible says world, it's only talking about the people who haven't hurt me. And if I were to try to reduce this down in my my personal humanity, I would just have to stand before you today and admit that there are some people that I would not include in world. Okay. 
See, that just scared the life out of about 10 of you because you just don't want no pastor to get up and admit that. But the last time I checked, everybody that's breathing in here is a human being. And all of us have been hurt. And all of us have had those moments where we might just step back. Now, come on, we got to get off our little ivory tower and step down into the real world. There's some people I don't like too much. Well, you know, i got about four of you grinning because you're the only ones that are willing to even halfway say anything in agreement with that. You know what I'm saying? It's like, man... But that's the truth. I mean, when you think about it, when you think about it, I mean, there's some people that I'm not so interested in being saved. If I really get, okay, man, I'll tell you, if I look into my own humanity, I'm talking about just in me, you know, Baylor, our oldest son works for a missions organization called Every Home for Christ, and and um, in Colorado Springs, and they had a man visit and actually speak in one of their sessions, and Baylor had the opportunity to, 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 to interact with this gentleman. This gentleman is actually an Oral Roberts University graduate, and while he was at ORU, started a thing called um, um, Burn 24-7. And... What's really funny about that is that one of Baylor's early, I'm talking about when Baylor was like eight years old or nine years old, one of his very first outside anywhere in the church room gigs on the drums, he played for a, a, a four-hour worship set at a prayer meeting called Burn 24-7 when it was just in its infancy years ago. And this man started Burn 24-7, and he has these prayer movements all over the world, and that's what he does. He's a, he's a prayer missionary, and he goes from country to country, and he sets up these, these prayer movements, and, and they just happen to have a pretty, a pretty solid prayer group in Iraq. And Baylor said that, that this, this man was, was talking to them about, about his open invitation from the from the Muslim people that are, that are the Iraqi Muslims that are fighting ISIS, he said, he said, I have a standing invitation with them to come and lead worship on the front lines. He said, because I go there with the prayer group and we'll stand at the edge of the line in about 50 yards from us as ISIS flags flying and we will stand there and we will sing praise and worship songs toward that, toward that flag. And he said, they have given us an open invitation to come back anytime we want because they said, every time we do this, the forces are pushed back. And then Beller goes, he wants me to go with him. And I went, yeah. I didn't want to oppose it too much because he would go if he knew that. 
But he said, man, this, this thing about prayer and this thing about leading worship and this thing, it, it, doesn't just have, it doesn't just have an effect on the Christian people that are there, but it's infiltrating itself into the other communities that are there. And even though they don't even recognize it or know it, it's even having an effect on the other side of the line. And I have to step back and wonder, do I even care if they are saved? But yet, that is the world that Jesus was born into. Messed up people. Enemies. See, the saving message of Jesus Christ is a message that reaches to everyone. Whether I, in my own nature, want to embrace that I will tell you that, that you have to overcome that nature and I pray about that in my own life that I forgive those as, as I am forgiven and, and I love my enemy and you have to pray about that and you have to wish that upon them that at some point in their life they come to this place where they can be saved. And I have people in my life that are godless There are people in my life that I make an intentional effort to foster the friendship when other people have given up on them, when other pastors have given up on them, and say, you know what, they've gone too far, you should just leave it alone, and yet something pulsates down inside of me that says, but that is the world that Jesus was born into. I was nigh unto thinking that about a particular individual one time, and just in my prayer time, it was probably in the back of my mind, a little frustrated, they're estranged from God, they're out there somewhere, they're, all, they're, all, they're mockers, of God really and, and, and you know I'm just finally getting to a point where you know what I just want to cut it off I just want to I just should be done with it and, then, and in the middle of that I felt this convicting thing from the Holy Spirit to speak to me and say don't quit on someone I haven't quit on don't throw your hands up and quit because my word still declares and the Lord would speak this into our spirit at Christmas time. His word still declares that he is not willing that any should perish. That any should perish. You take the most vile, you take the most out there somewhere, you take the most, most hideous and you put them up there and then God would still even speak and say, I am not willing that they would perish if there is a chance you can stand on the line and sing a worship song that might turn a heart. I'm going to the Philippines again in January and been there many times. We minister. Harvest House. I say we. I'm saying that the minister we're involved with there, Harvest House in the Philippines, is is actively engaged in a, in a ministry endeavor that, that really just 
it sort of boggles my mind. I've been in there the last time that we went in there, when I went in there, um, it became very hostile, really. I mean, we got in there, and we couldn't get out of the vans, and they were standing up against the glass, and it was right in the middle of Ramadan, and they had just called the men to prayer, and it was a bunch of angry Muslim men that had surrounded our vans, and we couldn't move. And they were peering in the windows trying to trying to detect if there were Americans in there. And it'll make you a little nervous, especially when the Filipinos start sweating. Here in the last year or so, the government has given the ministry, Harvest House, property right in the heart of what they call the Bajau, which is in the Muslim sector of the city of Davao, where, where we're ministering. And we have an outpost there. It, it, literally, we have a Christian outpost in one of the most embedded Muslim sectors of the city. They gave us the property to build a building, and there it sits, and I'm going to have the opportunity to see that. He said, what are you doing in there? Well, what we're, we're doing. So these people live literally um, on the, many of their homes are, are on stilts, and they live over this dirty seawater and sewage mixture that is, that is there. It's just this... It's really horrific, and the trash is piled, and, and, and here you have this Christian outpost where we are ministering to children, and the government has seen the effect, they've seen the effect of what Harvest House pastors are doing in that city, and they said, look, if you will go in there and make a commitment, we will make sure that you are protected, and we will make sure that you have a place, we will make sure that everything is in order for you if you will just go in there and we'll try to help these people. Sometimes you just want to step back and think, why do I even want to go there? And yet that is the world that Jesus was born into. And although it may be exclusionary, the message of Christ is not discriminatory. Matter of fact, John 3.16 is a verse that is rehearsed. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. That God so loved the world. Those in particular who are estranged from God. He loved the world. And he so loved that world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, that whoever, I mean, who is not included in the word whoever? Everyone is included in the word whoever. Therefore, we cannot be afraid and allow our fear of whatever is going on to take precedent over the present reality that Christ has come in a miraculous way to do a miraculous thing. See, even if you're sitting in this place right now and you think, Pastor, for surely God is through with me, I stand today and say that God is absolutely not through with you because you are a whoever. 
and whoever believes in him shall not perish. That if somehow or another we can elevate our faith, if we can pull ourselves out of this pit of despair or this pit of doubt that we fall into and we think, man, for surely there's no way that God will love me. There's no way that God will take care of me. Can I say right now in this house that I don't care who you are, you are a whoever. And he has come to pull us out. He has come to pull us out of this, of this pit of despair. If we could just hear afresh the word of the angel that says, Do not be afraid, because born to you, O oh you who are the world, born to you is a Savior. Well, you don't know what I've done. It all is enveloped in the world. And God did not, look at the next verse, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That God did not come to condemn us. Now religion might, and there are some churches that might, and there are some people who are very Self-righteous that might condemn. <laughs> Do you know when you're... Let, let, me, let me just throw this out there for good measure. This is just for you because this didn't, this didn't hit me in first church. Y'all must be more needy of it. <laughs> for... First church, they got their stuff together. Now we're at second church. It's just us, isn't it? Yeah. You know, when we, when we repent, er, er, you know, repent. That's not a bad word. Repent means to turn around. Okay, so here we are, and we're doing whatever, and we suddenly realize that the whatever we're doing is contrary to the plan and the will of God for our life. You might call that sin. I mean, from what I get out of the Word of God is that when we repent, He forgives, and what He forgives, He forgets. That's like that sea of forgetfulness thing, you know what I'm saying? You know, the, the Bible says this in, in one verse. It says, it says this, As far as the east is from the west, so He has removed our transgressions from us. You know what's really interesting about that? Listen, listen, this is, this is a world geometry. You guys are going to pass the test. World geometry. The Bible doesn't say as far as the north is from the south. Think about it. It says as far as the east is from the west. Think about this for a second. Okay? Because there is a mileage that you can put from north to south. Start at the North Pole. Are you following me? Start traveling south. Get down in warmer climate where it's God's country. Stop in the Bahamas for a little while and take a break and enjoy the beach. But eventually, make your way to the South Pole. And when you get to the South Pole, keep traveling in the same direction. And guess which way you're going. There's a mileage from north to south. You can only go so far south till you start going north. 
But now get on an airplane with me in January and start flying west. West will never stop. You cannot find east going west. Think about it. You start flying west, you just keep flying west. You just keep flying west. I'm getting tired of this airplane, but you're, what you're looking for? I'm looking for east. Start flying east, I'm looking for west. The Bible doesn't say that he removed our transgressions as far as the north is from the south. It says as far as the east is from the west. I mean, it's infinity. It's to infinity and beyond. So, so, so when you are forgiven, come on now. This is second church stuff right here for all of us sinners. Come on. When you are forgiven, God removes your transgression from you as far as the east is from the west. He gets it away from you so far it can't be found. But here's what we do. Oh, Lord. I'm a screw up. That's how I pray when I'm praying about it. I just go ahead and tell him. I need you to forgive me, Lord. I should not have honked at that bicyclist. <laughs> but I am following the leadership of me. I don't have a triumph bumper sticker on my car. And until I can help myself, I'm going to keep it off. But I am going to put a faith church sticker on my car. No, I'm joking. That was a joke. They're just our closest neighbor for the time being. Until the Malaysians move in down the street, they're our closest neighbor. Well, they really are coming, anyway. Then we're going to have another neighbor. Isn't that going to be awesome? Okay, so I'm praying. And God removes it. Is this okay or have I just lost some of you? If you're a guest in the house, please forgive me. It's right before Christmas. This stuff happens. So I'm praying and I get forgiveness. And God says, I love you, Griff. I forgive you. Go about your way. Have a good day. Feliz Navidad. And I'll get about... One day away from that and start beating myself up over the head about what I did. Well, I just feel so condemned. Just can't believe I'd do that. I mean, I wonder sometimes if God wouldn't just speak down to us and say, Who are you, God? How dare you keep remembering something I forgot? Maybe that's what you ought to tell some people in your life. Who do you think you are? You think you're better than God? Because God don't even remember that. Why should you keep bringing it up? Well, that's good stuff. As far as the east is from the west. So what we got to recognize is God's not condemning us. He's loving us. 
The world in which Jesus was born was a messed up place with messed up people. You know, see, it's sermons like this the reason why I pastor the ragamuffins that I pastor. Because there ain't no high and mighty. They're just saved and forgiven. And I recognize that the world that Jesus was born into, that world that he was born into, was a messed up place with messed up people. He didn't come into a sanitized place. I mean, seriously? Seriously? Think about it for a second. Did God not know that Mary was about to domino? I mean, could have God not at least gotten them a hotel reservation? I mean, think about it for a second. They go from end to end trying to find a place that is, that is at least decently cleaned in order for this baby to be born in. And every innkeeper told them the same thing. I'm sorry. I have no room left in my inn. Could not have God kept one hotel room empty? But Jesus wasn't born in a hotel. He was born in a barn. In a nasty old sheep and cows a nasty old barn and he wasn't put in a cradle I mean seriously I mean the whole world's already gone to pot couldn't God just have waited 2,000 years and let Jesus be born at the top of Trump Tower I mean really really Seriously, that this is you're gonna you're gonna be born in this old nasty, filthy place. I mean, listen, I, I if you've never been to a third world country, you don't know what you're missing. Maybe I should say if you've never been to a third world country, you don't know what you've got. When we walk the streets of of Mindanao and, and you 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 think to yourself the Philippines, but I've been to Jordan. I've been to Israel. Now Israel is, is, and for the most part, there are, there are areas that are, that are Palestinian controlled that are not, but the, but the areas that are controlled by, by Israel, the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, very clean, very clean. But man, we went to Jordan first. We got a great shock on Middle East third world Middle East. I mean, it's just filthy. Trash blowing in the wind. Grit and sand between your teeth. Sewer running in the streets. That's the world 
that Jesus was born into? Really? I mean, couldn't have God planned this out a little better? That he might have at least come to a world that was at least somewhat sanitized? Or at least in the middle of an unsanitized world, find a place that is at least somewhat sanitized? Jesus was born in a barn with cow manure, sheep manure, laid in a feeding trough called a manger. This was the born, this was the world that Jesus was born into. He wasn't born among perfect people. He wasn't born in a sterile society. At the time of Jesus' birth, the nation of Israel had not heard a new word from God in at least 400 years. They were spiritually dark. Jesus came to a world that was godless. That had not heard a single new word from God in over 400 years. No thus saith the Lord. No written. No prophet. Just this darkness. Just this spiritual darkness now he wasn't Jesus wasn't born in the red hot revival of reformation or great awakening Jesus wasn't born in a red hot revival of Pentecost Azusa Street or Brownsville Jesus was born in a godless world dark and that's, that's, that's where he was born that's the world. That's the world Jesus came to save. At the time of his birth, the nation of Israel was under siege by the Roman Empire and they occupied them and they oppressed them. Jesus wasn't born when Israel was at the top of her game. Matter of fact, by the time Jesus was born, Israel was just a few years away from being completely annihilated. Israel was about as low in the game as she could be. No, nobody was rejoicing about the conquest that Israel was making because Israel wasn't making any conquest. They were under siege in Roman Empire. Gone was the luster of the King Davids and the great wars that they fought and the territories that they won. Gone was all of that. They didn't even own their own land. That was the world Jesus was born into world that was in bondage and occupied by an enemy force and that's where God chose to plant this thing say really I mean couldn't have you maybe maybe you could have brought the Messiah on the scene when but no God chose to bring the Messiah on the scene when Israel was at her worst state religiously here they are being led by a bunch of dudes and hadn't even heard from God in 400 years. And at the time of Jesus' birth, the religious Israel was divided into at least four groups vying for the societal control of the people. They were the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes, and the Zealots. And these sects caused constant division among the people. They were constantly pulling and dividing, and the people didn't know where to go. They were religiously confused. Where is God in all of this? Who do I believe? Do I believe you know? Oh, no, wait a minute, wait. Do I believe you know? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Do I believe you? And they were stumbling around in religious stupors. That's the world. That's when we talk about, for God so loved the world. That's the world that Jesus 
was born into. The Roman ruler Herod sought to kill the child Jesus, driving Joseph and Mary and the child Jesus into exile. Herod ultimately killed the male children in Bethlehem, two years old and younger. They were killing all the babies, and that's the world. That's the world that Jesus was born into. What a mess. Jesus was born into a chaotic, harsh, often filthy, sick, dog-eat-dog world. And yet God says, I didn't come to condemn you. I didn't come to condemn you. I didn't come to condemn you. I sent my son to save you. That's the world. And so we talked about John last week. He was in prison in Matthew 11. He heard about the deeds of the Messiah, sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? And this is Jesus' reply. Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised. The good news is proclaimed to the poor. Go tell John I'm ministering to imperfect people. (laughs) go tell John that the thing that proves I am the Messiah isn't that I'm hobnobbing with the rich and famous the thing that proves I'm the Messiah is I'm walking among those who are outcast see that list right there of people they weren't even welcome in the temple they couldn't even go into worship but Jesus said if they can't come to me in there then I will go to them out here and that's the world that Jesus came to save. So I've come to tell somebody in this house some good news today. If that's who he came to save, there's hope for us. There's hope for us. Yeah, we live in a same world. It's chaotic. Same world full of terror. Same world full of sickness. Same world got a lot of questions. But Jesus came to save us in that world because we are that world. And ladies and gentlemen, there is hope. I've come to give somebody hope today that no matter where you are or no matter how you feel, Jesus Christ was born for you. He was born for you. Would you stand with me? Bow your heads just for a moment.